0: Let me get my notes up here so I can maybe see them. Uh, Once again, Brother Randy, would you stand up and shout when it's 10 minutes till time to quit? Brother, I I can't stand up tonight. Oh, just shout. Uh, My wife told me at 6 o'clock I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we will be over by 6. We will probably be over a little bit sooner than that, I I believe. Does everybody have one of the handouts? Um, Anybody else need one? I can't see, so somebody else have to look. And by the way, you know these masks that y'all have to wear? That makes me happy because now everybody sees everybody else like I see you. You can't see your mouth, your expression. You, like I always say, you can stick your tongue at me, and I'll never know it. And so, uh, so we're kind of on even grounds there. Uh, back when, let me go to a commercial first. The whole message is going to be a commercial, but let me go to the commercial first. Uh, back when Pat and I first started coming to church, Brother Terry Kenyon said, "Why don't you all come to FBI? Yeah, do we get to carry a gun and all that kind of stuff?" He said, "No, uh, FBI Faith by Bi- Faith Bible Institute. We started and we're still going. We've got uh, one more semester, and we will have completed the course two years or two times. <coughs> Excuse me. It has been a tremendous course." Basically, what the course is is a vacation Bible school, three hours each week, and it is really fantastic. Brother John Yates is the teacher, and he does a great job. And uh, he is—he's fantastic. He really gets a hold of your attention, keeps your attention, and Pat and I just really enjoy it. Let me encourage you to, uh, if you can at all, come to faith. Bible Institute it will be I'm not sure what night it's going to be probably Monday nights that's what night it is now and it won't start for another month or two um, right now is between semesters so if you're going to enroll you need to enroll now and if there is a cost involved you can find out just ask brother Terry what that cost is or look online they do have a a, a page online it's Faith Bible Institute, no spaces.com. You go there and you can learn all about it. You'll see Brother John Yates and and hear him. And he gives a spill about Faith Bible Institute. Uh, Brother Copes, this morning, uh, I wasn't. I really wasn't sure about this message because it is just an outline and and it's going over some of the things that we go over in Faith Bible Institute. In fact, the outline that you have is the outline that he uses right to start with and teaches this is how you go through the Bible. And I wasn't sure that this is really what I should preach and what I was supposed to speak on tonight. But Brother Cokes, I mean, he just sensed it. After his message this morning, I said, that fits right together. We, I know we talked about us being sober, elderly, aged. aged that sounds good, doesn't it? Aged uh, aged men and women and young men and women. Every one of us as Christians need to learn the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God so that we can fluently talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible. There's a lot of people in our lives Let me interrupt myself just for a minute. I wasn't going to do an introduction because they go too long. Um, there's There's a lot of people in our lives that really don't talk about religion, and they don't know a lot about religion, but they know just enough to be curious a little bit, but they don't ask about it. And if you go to his classes or you study the Bible, you'll be able to be interesting to them enough to get their attention and draw them to the scriptures and then be that witness and testimony to them. Also, it, uh, in the Faith Bible Institute, it, uh, it's just an exciting class to be in. You will learn every year that you go, every semester that you go, you'll learn. When I was, and I probably mentioned this before here, but, When I was growing up, and I'll say probably 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 20, 25 years old, about that age, I would hold my Bible up and I'd look at it, and I've always been a slow reader. And I'd look at it and I'd say, there is no way. Look at all those pages in your Bible. How are you going to learn all those pages in your Bible and know all those pages in your Bible? And I looked at that and I said, there's just no way. I mean, I, how can you know? How can you read all of that and gather all that information in? Faith Bible Institute is a real good way to do it. Tonight you have in your hand an outline that will, that will help you dig into the Bible and uh, study the Bible, and it will make it real interesting and easy for you. It's in chronological order. And it, uh, it goes time wise just as the events happen in the Old Testament as well as, as the New Testament. Um, somebody's got to tell me about 10 minutes till time to quit because it, it might last a little bit longer. Let me, can I move this down? That's looking me in the face and I can't even see it. Okay, right to start with. And, and I'm, not, I'm going to go kind of by the outline that you have in front of you. The reason why I gave you the outline is because I'm not going to cover all that outline. There's a lot of books, the books of the Bible that's on the outline, or the books that go toward that heading, such as the in the beginning, the beginning right here. It says step one is the beginning, and it covers the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verses uh, chapter 1 through 11. Um, And that's where we're going to start tonight. Let's bow for a word of prayer as we get into God's Word. Our Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your Spirit. Lord, most of all, we thank you for your love for us. Because if it wasn't for your love for us, Lord, we would be doomed. And we understand and know that. Thank you for Jesus Christ who died upon the cross of Calvary. He was in your plans all the time simply because you loved us and wanted us to have fellowship with you and you fellowship with us. Bless this message tonight. We pray pray that you'll bless the service. For it's in Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. The book of Genesis, and it might take me a little bit longer to read my notes. Uh, The book of Genesis starts out and... uh, It shows us a need for a Savior, the need for a Savior that we have. Now, how many of you think that God created an imperfect world full of sin just like it is? Whoops, I shouldn't have asked a question because I can't see anybody. But uh, God God didn't create an imperfect world, did he? The world that he created was perfect. There was no sin. There was nothing wrong. There was everything just exactly as it ought to be and should be. So how did we get into this? I don't preach with this. But how did we get into that sinful state that we're in? Well, when God created the heavens and the earth, He created the heavens, and they were gorgeous. They were for His glory. When He created the world, the earth, He created, it was it was glorious. In fact... Each time he created something, he ended it by saying, and it was good. And it was good. And it was good. He created man and said, man needs a helpmate. And so he created woman, and the two of them became one. And they were good. And God loved his creation, and man loved it and enjoyed his creation. Since I. <coughs> since I'm really slow, you know what I do when somebody is real smart and intelligent like Brother Terry, Brother Scott and I shouldn't have named names because a lot of people are pretty smart. You know, I look at their I look at their brain and just wonder, how in the world can you hold all that in? You remember when, uh, when Barrett was appointed as SCOTUS to the Supreme Court. When she was talking, I just watched her and and I tried to just look at her brain and how in the world do you remember and how in the world do you understand all the stuff that you're talking? You know somebody that really knew what was happening? That was Adam, created perfect in the image of God. He was, his mind was tremendous. What, the, what, a, what, a, uh, what a great, enormous, powerful computer or brain that Adam had because God created him, and he saw that it was good. Uh, Then we know the story. I better pick up some speed. We know the story how that Eve was out, and the serpent beguiled Eve, and and she partook of the the apple. Now, what, what happened right there? It was the fall of man. So man was good, but God gave man a choice. You can do good, or you can do evil. I'm giving you the choice. Why did God give man a choice? Why did he give man a choice? Because he wanted man to love him and not be a robot, not made, forced to love God. He wanted somebody with a freedom to choose God or not choose God. Man chose to fall. Man chose against God and went against God. And I am going to have to pick it up here. We see the fall of man in the book of Genesis. And so man comes, away from, man comes away from God, and he doesn't please God doing that. And so God makes a way for him to please God once again. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God promises a Savior to come, uh, to be a Savior of the world. Now, after the fall, I'm going to have to get away from my notes. After the fall... Man was away from God and he started sinning and he sinned some more and he sinned some more and he kept on sinning to the point that God looked all over the earth and who did he find or what did he find? He found everybody was sinful. Everybody hated God, didn't respect God, didn't think of God except one person. That was Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So then after the fall, we have the flood. And the flood came and wiped out all the existing earth, all the living creatures that breathed the breath of life, had the breath of life in them. God destroyed all of them with the flood. And then after the flood, Noah, the, the ark winds up on the Mount Ararat and dry land appears. And then what happens? Noah comes out. And, he start, and they start having babies, and they have a lot, large family. There's a lot of people, and the people get together, and they say, we're going to have to do something. So what happens then? The Tower of Babel. Remember, that's where the people came together and said, we want to be great. We want to, we want to, uh, we want to build a shrine to God. And that sounds good, except it was the wrong God. It was not the Heavenly Father. But it was the false gods that they built the monuments to. And it was a beautiful place. So the book of, in the book of Genesis, we find the beginning. And in the beginning, we've already been through the book of Genesis. And so let's go to the next step. And after the fall of man, we've got, or after the Tower of Babel, People spread out. The nation, new nations are formed. And then we come, to, we come to the fathers, the Hebrew fathers. Now, what are the Hebrew fathers? That's the family of the Savior. The Hebrew fathers are the family of the Savior. God knew that he needed to send the Savior, Jesus Christ, into the world to save, save sinners. And so he chose a particular man. He chose Abraham and he chose Abraham to be the the one that the savior's line would come through that the savior would be born of and born from we find Abraham and Abraham and Isaac Isaac was Abraham's son and I think about when we we come to the Hebrew fathers and I think about Abraham I think about his faith when he was 100 years old when when he and Sarah both were so old they were way past birth years, childbearing years, and yet he had the faith because God told him, and he had a son. That son was Isaac. Not only did he have faith to have that son to start with a miracle, but then he had, he, he had to place his faith and trust in God that God would uphold Isaac. Remember that he took him up on the mountain. God said, I need you to give your only son a sacrifice. And so we find the sacrifice is given, the sacrifice is picked out. It's Isaac. Abraham brings him up, lays him on the altar. Now, did, he t- did Abraham tie him up? We don't really know, but I believe that Isaac just laid himself down. I believe Isaac was a willing sacrifice. And there, God, when Abraham was ready to take Isaac's life, God says, wait. Don't do that. There's a substitute, and the substitute was that ram in the thicket. Then we find also. Let me see. I uh, let me read. Let me read the verses or the the books. Genesis, Genesis chapter twelve through chapter fifty, and also Job is is uh, where we're at right now. Now, after Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, and then. Who was the, who was Jacob's favorite son? Who had the coat of many colors? That was Joseph. Now we're tra- starting to travel kind of fast through history here. Joseph had the coat of many colors. He was favored by Jacob. Joseph was, he was out doing his thing, and his dad calls him up. And Joseph had, there was twelve boys there, and Joseph had some brothers and. The, and the old, his older brothers were out by themselves in the field, and his dad calls Joseph in and says, Go check on your brothers. So Joseph finds his brothers, and he finds his brothers, and when his brother sees him from afar off, they say, Oh, no. There's the dreamer. There's the guy. Remember the dream that he had? He dreamed that we were going to bow down to him. That, that mangy kid. I don't like him. Do you like him? No, I don't. What are we going to do? Let's kill him. And so his brothers got together and devised a plan. They're going to kill him. And there's a pit there, so when he comes close to them, they get him, they throw him in the pit, they take his coat off of him of many colors, and they're, and they're there, and they see a caravan. One of them sees the caravan. And he says, wait a minute. Instead of killing him, let's sell him, and we can make some money off of him. So they sell him, and he winds up in Egypt, from that time. They take his coat of many colors, put blood on it, send it back to the father and say, Joseph is gone. Some wild beast has has surely devoured him. And so Joseph goes into to the land of Egypt and he's in Egypt and God blesses him in Egypt. Remember the story and we're talking about the Hebrew fathers. Remember the Remember the story of how that Joseph connected with Pharaoh, uh, with Potiphar. And Potiphar blessed Joseph because Joseph was a blessing to Potiphar. Joseph was a slave to Potiphar, a, a servant, became a servant, became head of everything that he had in his household. He could have anything he wanted to. Of course, he was not to touch his wife, but he had power. He had the most power of anybody in they in Potiphar's household, and one day Potiphar's wife looked at him and wanted him, and that's when he fled. That's when he said, "Oh, I'm getting out of here. Uh, this is not right." And he leaves his coat behind. Potiphar's wife goes to Potiphar and said, "Look, this guy, this tried guy tried to molest me. Here he ran, and I got his coat to show it." And so Joseph winds up in the dungeon, in prison. And that's where he meets, he's in the prison and he makes favor with with the guards and he's put over some other prisoners and a couple prisoners come to him at different times. One of them comes, a baker, and says, I had a dream and here's the dream. And Joseph interprets that dream, says one of these days you're going to get out of here and be lifted up again and you're going to lose your head. And then the cupbearer comes and said, said, Joseph, I had a dream and here's the dream I had. And so Joseph interprets that dream for the cupbearer. One of these days you're going to get out of here and you're going to be restored to your previous throne, to your previous position. When you do, when you get out of here, would you tell Pharaoh about me and remind them that I'm down here so I can get out of here? That's what Joseph wanted. He wanted out of there. Then what happened? Well, the two men got out. One lost their life. One was, one was restored to his previous position, and they forgot about Joseph for quite a while. And then the Pharaoh had a dream, and he had two dreams, and he couldn't find anybody to interpret the dreams. And then the cupbearer says, Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember when I was down in the dungeon, there was two of us had dreams, and he interpreted them, and they, they came out right, just like he said. So bring Joseph up. So they brought him up. They shaved him. He shaved. He put on his good garments. He came in to the Pharaoh, and, and he told... Pharaoh told Joseph the dreams... And Joseph interpreted the dream. Now, I'm starting to go real fast, leaving a lot of things out, but Pharaoh interpreted all the dreams, <clears throat> the two dreams. The dreams were that there's gonna be seven years of feast and feast and seven years of famine. And Pharaoh says, Who can I put in charge of everything? Well, Joseph, you're the man. So he lifts Joseph up so he's second in command of the whole nation. And so Joseph, being in command of the nation, he takes in all the goods. He takes, he takes a portion of all the goods that everybody makes, stores them up, and that way when the famine comes, and the famine does come, and he's got plenty for everybody. Now remember, this is in Egypt, and this is talking about the Hebrew fathers, Joseph being one of the Hebrews. This is how the Hebrew children, this is how the Israelites got into the land of Egypt. Now... There was a famine, so so Joseph's dad said, Jacob said, okay guys, go into Egypt and get some food. They went, they brought it back, they went again the second time, and Joseph recognized the boys, that these are my brothers, and you know the story, so I'll just skip over it real quick, but... But Joseph didn't want to reveal himself to his brothers right off. And so he kept it to himself. And they went through a couple times of that. And then he finally reveals himself to the brothers. And the the brothers go back and get the dad. Finally, the dad succumbs and he says, okay, I'll come. And all all of the Israelites, all the Hebrews came into the land of Egypt. And that's where they're at now in Egypt. Now, as time goes by, they multiply and they become great. Joseph passes off the scene. The Pharaohs pass off the scene. And a Pharaoh comes in that knew not Joseph. Now, the children of Israel had grown so much that they were more than the Egyptians now. And the Egyptians say, hey, we've got to be careful because Joseph is, because the Israelites are going to overtake us. And so let's make slaves out of them. They made slaves out of the Israelites. The Israelites were under bondage and they started to cry to God. They started... Let me back up just a minute. Why does... Don't let me ask that question. Let me ask, say it this way. When we get out of sorts with God, God chastises us as Christians. When the children of Israel got out of sorts with God, God chastised them. He brought them back into the fold. He, he, he did something to them that would cause them to turn their hearts back toward God. So they're in the land of Egypt. They're being persecuted. They're being put down. And after the Hebrew fathers, after Joseph dies, after the children of Israel are in all this bondage, then we move. We move to another phase, which is called. You probably, in fact, I know you know it. It's on the paper. It's called the Exodus. Now, when we come to the Exodus, before the Exodus happens, Moses comes on the scene. Moses spends forty. <laughs> Moses is a child of God. Uh, let me rephrase that. He fears God, but as a baby, his mother is trying to hide him because Pharaoh has ordered all the babies to be killed. And so his mom hides him, puts him in the bulrushes. Pharaoh's daughter sees him. Pharaoh's daughter brings him in and keeps him and calls calls Moses' sister to come and take care of him. Moses' sister goes back to mom and has mom take care of him. So his real mother is taking care of him during this time. Forty years go by, 40 more years go by, 80 years have gone by, and now we see a burning bush, and Moses call to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. I've passed a lot of my notes, so I need to find them, find out where it is. Ah, oh, the Exodus. Um, Moses, in surrendering to God and becoming the leader of the children of Israel, says, Lord, I can't talk enough. I can't talk eloquent enough. He says, well, get somebody to help you, Aaron. And so Aaron becomes Moses' mouthpiece. Moses was God's mouthpiece to the children of Israel. Moses says, who, can, who, who shall I say sent me? Well, the children of Israel are not going to listen to me, God. And God tells him, I am has sent thee. So Moses goes, and he starts to get the children of Israel ready to lead out of the land of Egypt. Moses goes to Pharaoh, and this is a story about the, the uh, ten plagues that come up on Egypt. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Let my people go. We want to go worship our God. We want to go out of, of the city, out of, out of your presence, and worship our God. Pharaoh says, No. And the ten plagues come. Now, Egypt had a lot of gods, but there was 10 specific gods that were very powerful in their sight. And so God chose 10 plagues to show the power of God while, <coughs> over the, the power of the false gods of Egypt. And we find the... Let me stick my glasses on. I'm trying to hurry up because I know I'm going to run out of time. Uh, let's see so the ten plagues go Pharaoh sets the people free the people take off to the Red Sea to <coughs> to the Red Sea and at the Red Sea remember that's where Moses lifts <coughs> Moses parts the water and the children of Israel cross the the Red Sea on dry ground and Pharaoh's army comes behind him the waters close in and takes care of all the Pharaoh's army and so the children of Israel are on the other side and and they're headed to the promised land Moses knows where they're going they're going to the promised land the, the land that God had promised Abraham way back in the book of Genesis now they get to the promised land and some of the guys start saying, hmm, we better check out the land. And so they t- send 12 spies into the promised land, and they come back, and what does 10 of them say? Oh, man, that is a great land. There's, there is great grapes, there's great fruit, there's milk and honey plenty, but there's giants in the land, and there's grasshoppers were just so small in their sight. They'll smash us like bugs is what they're saying. But the two spies says, man, they're big, but our God's bigger than them and we can take care of them, so let's go. Well, long story short, they didn't go because of the ten spies. They were discouraged. And so so they start wandering in the wilderness. They wind up back at Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments are given. The Ten Commandments are are given to Moses on Mount Sinai. That's when Aaron and the golden calf takes place, and uh, Moses comes down off the mountain. Aaron has everybody's dancing. Aaron he looks at Aaron and says, "What's happening?" That's when he drops the Ten Commandments, and they were broken at that time. After the Ten Commandments, the the children of Israel wondered and kept wondering in the land in the, land, in the wilderness and then they at wandering in the wilderness I'm trying to condense miracles down to one miracle they got thirsty this is the second time they got thirsty God tells Moses, go speak to the rock. And remember how that the first time he spoke to the rock and it gave water, this time he was the first time he smote the rock and it gave water, this time he was supposed to speak to the rock and it was to give water. But he smote the rock. He got mad. He smote the rock. And God said, because of that you're not going to enter the promised land. The children of Israel get close to the promised land and they're at at the promised land again and it's time to go into the promised land and Moses is taken up on a hill where he dies and God takes care of Moses there on the hill he gets to see the promised land but he doesn't enter into the promised land now the children of Israel are ready to go into the promised land who can let me throw this in here real quick everybody that was 20 years old and over at the beginning of the march, was, has been has passed from the scene. Now it's all the younger generation that has grown up, and now they are entering into the promised land. Going into the promised land, Joshua was chosen the leader. Joshua and Caleb was the two spies that went into the, to the land that said it was good. And so they come out, and Joshua is leading the children of Israel into the promised land, only there's a problem. The problem is that there's a lot of sinners in the promised land. There's people there that live in sin and debauchery continually all the time. And so they've got to go in and conquer the land. The first city that they come to is Jericho. Now they... (coughs) They get together and they send two spies into Jericho to spy out the land, to spy out the city. And the two two spies kind of get into trouble. They get into a certain place and they talk to a lady, Rahab, which, by the way, is a harlot. And she's a sinner, a, a, a woman of the world. And they're speaking to her and they hear that they hear that, uh-oh, the cops are coming. The soldiers are coming. They're going to come after you. And they heard that we had two spies. And so she hides the spies. And because she hides them, she is delivered from the calamity to come. The spies hide in her place. They get underneath some, some things and, and they're hidden. The soldiers don't see them. They are let down over the wall. They go out. That's come, they come back to, to Joshua and that's when Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls come tumbling down. And, the, and they felt good. Israel felt good about everything. The walls come tumbling down. We did good. So we are going to conquer the promised land. And so they get ready for the next battle and the next battle is Ai. Ai just a small little town. Should be nothing. They get a bunch of men together. They go in and Ai whips them. What's wrong? Well, there was sin in the camp. That's when Achan took something he wasn't supposed to from Jericho and hid it. So after that was taken care of, they had to take care of that little problem. And then they went back in and they fought the... They fought Ai. They were victorious at Ai. And uh, I've got to look at my notes real quick. They were victorious over Ai, and then they went ahead into the land and conquered towns and cities in the promised land. And they're now living in the promised land. We find the death of the death, let's see, I want to go a little bit before then. Let's go there. We find the death of the death of Joshua. And then after the death of Joshua. What do you suppose happened? Now Joshua was a man of God and he kept the children of Israel in tune with God. After Joshua dies, a little bit of time goes on and we go into the, into the book of Judges or the Judges stage. Now, what happens in the book of Judges? I've got to ask this question. What time is it? I've been, going, I've been trying to preach and I wasn't supposed to. Okay, Uh, in the book of Judges, the children of Israel get close to God and God blesses them. God blesses them and they start to get away from God and sin enters in and then God chastises them and punishes them. He causes another nation to come up and conquer them and suppress them and the children of Israel cry. And they cry unto God, and God hears their cry, and He heals them, and they come close to God again, and they're close to God with another judge. By the way, there was about fifteen judges, and and they're close to God, but then they start falling away again, and they fall away again, and to a certain point, God sends another nation to to chastise them. They're chastised. They come back to, they come back to the Lord Jesus. They come back to God close to God and God blesses them again somebody's telling me the time's up it's not up okay um, so, the, so all this happens during the judges now there were 15 judges and the last judge was Samuel Samuel was not only a judge but he was a prophet as well as a prophet I'm going to have to forget notes I think As a prophet, he was able to commune with God and God would speak to him and he would speak to the people. Now the people rose up and they said, we want a king. We want to be just like these other nations down here and have a king. And and so Samuel... Let me pass my notes so I get to the right place here. So Samuel finally gives in, God gives in, says, okay, my permissive will, I'll let you have a king. So Samuel looks for a king and he finds Saul. Now the particular thing about Saul, that he was tall and as Brother John Yates says, he was head and shoulders, as the scriptures say, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. So that tells me he looked like a king. Now the the kingdom stage or the or the stage here, the kingdom stage is a stage that was man trying to make things right, man trying to do his own devices to make things good, and so Saul, chooses, <laughs> Saul, uh, Samuel anoints Saul as king. Saul gets mad at David because David is raising up and people like David more than they like Saul. And so Saul is getting mad at David and there's a feud goes on between Saul and David, but David doesn't want to touch the anointed and he flees and he stays away from Saul as much as he can. God takes the kingdom kingdom away from Saul and now Samuel anoints David. He goes to Jesse, David's dad, and he chooses David. God chooses David and David is set up as king. Now, David was a king of war. Uh, in fact we find in the scriptures here that that's the reason God did not allow him to build the temple David had a heart his heart's desire was to love God was toward God but he wanted to build a house for God but God didn't let him do that he let him get all the material together and so after David leaves the scene then David's son Solomon is king now there's been a lot of war going on until Solomon Solomon steps in. Solomon as king, the place is peaceful at this time, and he rules he rules in peace. Uh, I am skipping a bunch here, it looks like. Um, as he rules in peace, Solomon passes. From the scene there's the three kings Solomon passes from the from the scene now the next <clears throat> the next king is not one king but two we've had a united kingdom so far the kingdom has, has been one a single kingdom so far but now we move a little bit farther and Solomon's sons two of his sons has a fight they have an argument imagine that and one of them takes ten tribes and goes up north. And this ten tribes is called Israel and sets up a kingdom up north. The other one, Rehoboam, takes his two, two kingdoms and, or, or two tribes and moves south. And that's called Judah. That's Judah and ben- Benjamin. Now, they go along pretty good. But on the, on the northern part, the ten tribes that, that went north... None of their kings was good. Everyone did, did wrong before God. And so pretty soon God does away with them and causes Assyria to come and capture them and take them captive. But we've got Judah with the two, with the two tribes. They're still good for another hundred years. And then they fall away from God. And so God caused Babylon to bring them into subjection or into exile. And now we enter into the exile stage the next stage which is the exile in exile the exile lasts for seventy years exile lasts for seventy years um, and the two main characters there is Daniel and Ezekiel Daniel was a prophet he he was a prophet he went to the he went to the kingly sort the those that were had a lot of money and a lot of power, and that's who he was a, a witness to, and that's who he ministered to. Now, while Ezekiel went to the common man and he would minister to the common folks. Now, after the exile, after the exile, we move into the restoration. The 70 years are past, Israel is starting to follow God again, and we come to the restoration restoration of the nation the restoration is where and, and the books of the rest, restoration is there about 18 books there? nope uh, it's Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah Haggai, Zechariah and Malachi that's the books that cover this particular part of history uh, in here we find Nehemiah let me use Nehemiah as the example here in the rest, restoration stage, Nehemiah comes to Pharaoh and says, and Pharaoh, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He was high in the kingdom. And he comes up and, and he says, the king says to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, you're not looking very happy today. Why are you sad? Normally, that's a, that could have been a death sentence if you look sad in the king's presence. But Nehemiah tells him about how his land and his people and his home was all destroyed. And so the the king, Nehemiah, finds favor with the king. And the king sends Nehemiah to Israel. And Nehemiah rebuilds the temple. He rebuilds the walls. He rebuilds Jerusalem. And the nation is back together once again the nation back together once again that's the restoration of the nation. That was Nehemiah's, that was Nehemiah's desire, and his heart was set on Israel and mourned for Israel to the point that the king saw it, and the king had so much or Nehemiah had so much favor with the king that the king supplied everything that he needed, all the material, all the manpower, everything he needed. To restore and rebuild, uh, that not only the temple but the walls around Jerusalem and the city of Jerusalem. Then the scene goes quiet for about 400 years, and we move into the next stage. And this is walking through the Bible. The next stage is the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ is not the second coming that we that we think of, but it's the first event, the first coming of Jesus Christ, his birth what we celebrate during christmas the the this particular stage the coming of christ is in matthew mark luke and john the four gospels and they give an account of jesus christ's birth and his life so far everything that has gone before this from the beginning clear down to this time it's all been pointing to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the Old Testament history, is it's pointed one, one particular place, and that's to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will die upon the cross of Calvary for a lost and a dying world. And that was the ninth step. The tenth step is the Great Commission. You can break this down into more steps, but Brother John broke it down into ten and here he has the Great Commission from the book of Acts through the book of Revelation. The Great Commission is where he, he commands us, Christ has commanded us to go out into a lost and the dying world and preach the gospel that others might know him and come to his saving power and knowledge. Now tonight, I tried to, when I told my wife what I was do, going to do, she said, there's not enough time, and there wasn't. Uh, There's not enough time to cover this. This is what Brother John covers, one of the first things that he covers, and he'll cover it for two or three weeks until you get it and you understand how that, wow, I can sit back here and go clear and tell stories clear through the Bible, just like I did, only not in such a big hurry, but clear through the Bible with no problem at all and telling where, what happened, and when that particular item took place in, in our history and in the history of the world. We need to be that witness and testimony to a lost and a dying world, but we ourselves need to look into the Bible and study the Bible so that we can be assured of our salvation. Uh, a lot of times after you're saved, you say, well, I'm not so sure of, of my salvation. The book of John tells us these things have I written that you may know that you believe, that you can know that you have the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. These things, what are these things? It's the scriptures that God has given us. Let's bow our heads for just a moment this evening.